Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Um, last week I started telling you a story. Uh, that whenever I got out here, um, I, I'd never been around much water. There, there's no water in West Texas. You don't cross, if you cross water, it's an irrigation ditch, okay? There's no streams or creeks or anything like that in the country that I ever worked, uh, more than just a puddle, really. But uh, I started working with Robert McLean out east here and, and on the Bijou, and, and he warned me a lot of times. He said, look, you ever been around the Bijou? I said, no. He said, there's one important thing that you have to remember. And I said, okay, what's that? And he said, only cross the bijou where cattle cross the bijou. I said, why? And he said, well, there's quicksand and you'll fall in. And, you know, I mean, you, you could break a leg. There's, there's all sorts, on your horse, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And it doesn't look treacherous. It just looks like a little creek with some sand. But it can be pretty dangerous. See, so he said, when you're going along and you're by yourself and we're out here gathering cattle, when you get to the bijou, find a plaza. Find a place where the cattle cross and cross right there. When you find that spot, you can ride up there with full confidence. No big deal. You'll make it to the other side. Well, I always tried to remember that. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was out at uh, another ranch about a couple of miles north of him. And we're out there and, 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 and we're making a sweep for some going to a branding, but we're making sure that we didn't miss anything. And me and the Gardner family and Tiffany Angus and a few more were going out there. And sure enough, when we went across the Bijou, man, I was following a cattle trail because I knew it was coming. And I found one and I followed it. Man, we never slowed down, just right across it. Made a big circle, but when we came back, I couldn't find any trails. I mean, you know, it was a big old pasture. We kind of went up and down it a little ways and never did see anything. So I found this spot that, that, uh, where, the, where the creek was real narrow. I mean, it was only, you know, about the length of a horse wide, and you could see the bottom. So I was like, surely this is a, a good spot. And so anyway, I started walking out there, and I'm on my big horse, Budhead, and Tiffany's on her little our little bitty horse uh, that I nicknamed Beavis. And so, anyway, we're, we're walking across there, and, and we get one step from the, other sh- from the other shore, literally one more step. And when, he hit, when both of our horses at the exact, exact same time reached that point, both of the horses disappeared. My horse, well, I can't say that my horse disappeared, his whole body disappeared except for his chin that hit on the other side of the bank. But Tiffany's horse went completely underwater. My horse hit his head, and he was able to get one foot out, and he lunged out, and I jumped off to help Tiffany up out of the water, and we were scared that we were going to lose her horse, and finally her horse kind of found another footing and came out, and everything was soaked. But Jesus kind of warned us, about this. The old cowboy ways, the old cowboys say that if you're going to cross a creek, cross where the animals cross. Find that narrow trail and go across and you can make it across just fine. But if you find those wide spots that look real easy, you might make it 99% of the way. But it's that last step that you won't make it. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, you can only enter the boss's ranch by the way of the narrow gate. The trail to hell is wide open and easy to follow for those that choose it. 
But the gate to life is narrow and the trail is rough and steep. Only a few will ever find it or be able to follow it. It's amazing what we know. I was told a lot, you know, way before that. The old cowboy way is to find that narrow trail that leads across the creek and you can follow it, you can trust it, you, you'll make it across. But if not, you run the risk of not making it. So how do we find that narrow trail? What is that narrow trail that Jesus is talking about? Well, I always say let Scripture interpret Scripture. And in John 14, 6, Jesus tells us what that narrow trail is. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to God without going through me. Or maybe in the simplified cowboy version, we could say that Jesus said, I am the trail, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the other side without following me. That's what that means. How often have we followed just wherever we wanted to go? We see these wide open, lush prairies, and we think, oh, that's beautiful, instead of following that twisty and windy cattle trail that you never know where they're going to go or anything. And, and I tell you what, cows can go places that, that'll make you pucker. But if you follow those, you'll get across the creek. What is Jesus talking about when he says, I am the trail, I am the truth? And I am the life. Well, I think the very first thing that we have to understand is the very thing that, that most people just blow right by when Jesus talks about these three things. Actually, he talks about four things. He said, I am. What did God say his name was in the Old Testament? Didn't he say that his name was I am? And that's what Jesus is saying right here. And when you go back to the Greek, and if, that, if you're into that sort of thing, man, it's very clear in the Greek. It's like a statement of absolute fact. He is saying, not only I, I am, but he's saying that he is the only. That's what that, that preterite or injunctive or I don't know what it is. It's some type of tense that means that there is no other. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And what I think is really cool is that in a lot of these Bibles, if you look at John 14, 6, the, the T or the W in way will be capitalized. It's not a place, it's a person. I am the capital W, way. I am the capital T, truth. I am the capital life no one gets to the father except through following me so what does that mean I am the trail or as Jesus said I am the way you know one of the uh, one of the things that I just absolutely used to love whenever I worked on the Rockerby Ranch and we still do it out at the Long X sometimes and we, and we try to keep some of these old ways alive is that when we ride out to, to go gather a pasture that the, the boss goes first. You never ride in front of the boss. And there's kind of a hierarchy that, you know, the cow boss goes first and the wagon boss might go second or the wagon boss is leading it that day and then the other guys that have been there longer fall in behind him. But everybody goes in a single file line. And that's important because um, when you're uh, 
like we used to do. We'd be at the backside of a pasture before you could see any gray on the other side. You might sit there for 30 minutes on your horse before there was any light whatsoever. So when the boss took off, everybody just got in line and followed him. And what would happen is he'd be riding along, right? And, and, and let, let's say it's Ty. Ty's riding along, and I'm right behind him out at the ranch. And he'll, he'll get going, and he won't stop. He'll just say, Kevin. And I drop off. And then he'll be riding, and he'll say, Gary. And Gary will drop off. And then he'll just keep trotting. He'll never slow down, and he'll say, Caleb. Caleb drops off. Robert. Robert drops off. And, 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 and that's just the way it is. And now, each time he calls somebody's name, it's their, that is their country that they have to gather. And you usually know at least who's on, who's on one side. If I get dropped off first, then, then the, the next guy knows that I'm going to be on his right. He might not know who's on his left, but the guy on his left is going to know who's on his right. It's the old cowboy ways. Why do they do it like that? What can we learn from that? Well, exactly like Jesus says, I am the way. He's not a path on the ground. He's a person that we follow. And the thing that I think messes everybody up is they get to where they're, they're, they're following something on the ground or something else instead of following a person and they start trying to like guess where he's going to go. Well, I, I bet he's going to drop me off right here. So they stop before their time and then they get lost and they don't know where they're at. But when you're riding out there behind those cowboys, when you're behind the cow boss or the wagon boss or whatever it is and you're riding along, you have to stay close behind him because if you're not close you're not going to be able to hear him if you're a quarter mile away and the boss is riding and 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 get this jesus never yells at us you know there, there's a part in 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 the old testament where god walks by the cave of a prophet and he and 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 he there's like this fire but god was not in the fire and there's this earthquake but he wasn't in the earthquake and then a gentle whisper passed by and the prophet knew that God was in the gentle whisper. See, God's not going to scream for your attention. He's going to be riding along. Jesus is going to, you're going to be following, and he's just going to call your name. Ty, Greg, Andrew, Odie. He's just going to, uh, he's just going to call your name, and he's not going to yell it out. He's not going to turn around and see if you're following. He's going to expect for you to be right there. And if you ain't right up there close to him, you're going to miss it. you got to stay close. you got to listen but just as importantly, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. And, and you know what? You're not going to be ready by accident. You know, a, a lot of people, I, I was up in Northern California at a branding, and, and you know, y'all have heard me time and time again talk about my, my roping, and uh, I only tell you about the misses, okay? I don't ever tell you about, well, I tell you about the good shots I make every once in a while. But, you know, I don't, I don't really tell you about the, the good shots I make. But, but Steve hadn't seen me rope in about three years, and he, he told me to get on my horse, and I went up there and roped. And after we got done doing about 100 calves, I was at the trailer, you know, taking the bridle off my horse, and he walked up there, and he said, Man, your roping has improved 1,000%. I was amazed. Well, I didn't get better by a thousand percent by only roping at Brandings. I went out there on the dummy. I, I went out there and I talked to people like Ty and people like Robert and people like Dell and, and other people. Man, I picked people's brains. I wanted to become better. 
You don't get better by accident. You're not going to be ready for what God has planned for you by accident. You're not going to be able to just sit out here and not do anything and then expect God to call your name. You've got to be ready. You've got to be following. You've got to be listening. I am the way. I am the trail. Jesus says, I am the truth. What does he mean by that? Listen, I'm going to make this as simple as I can. If Jesus said it, you can believe it. A lot of people say that there's nothing God can't do, but I, I, I do think that I know of one thing that God can't do. He can't lie. Because God is perfect, and a lie is not perfect. So therefore, God, I don't, I think that's the only, really, one of the only things I can really think of that God can't do, or maybe I should say he probably could do it, but he wouldn't do it. He's not going to lie. He says, I am the truth. There's only one place to find the truth, and that is in God's word, which is Jesus, one and the same. But too often, man, uh, in, especially in today's society, and maybe it's been like that for, for all time. That's why Jesus had to say this. But man, we look for the truth in what we agree with. I mean, that, that's the way it goes now. We start, well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. I don't, it, it doesn't really matter what we believe. There's only one truth. But too often we start looking for truth and we listen until somebody says something that we like and then we say, well, that's got to be the truth because I like it. You are not the, the, the maker of truth. That's why people get offended by the Bible. Because they, they, they want to believe what they believe. They want God. You, you know, we've successfully created God in our image when God thinks and believes just like we do. God does not think and believe like you do. He says, my ways are not your ways, and your ways are not my ways. But if you want to know the truth of something, go to the source of truth. And that's only found in Jesus. If Jesus says it, you can believe it. He's never lied in the history of all time, and he's been there for all time. There's never been a point that God wasn't, and there'll never be a point where he is not. And we can believe him. What are some of the things that he told us? He said, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, this Christianity stuff is tough, isn't it? I mean, it's so hard to do. Here's our Lord and Savior saying, look, man, you don't have to be afraid. He didn't say that you would never feel afraid. He's just saying, you don't have to be afraid. Because when you follow me and, 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 you, and, and, and you give your life to me, not even death can overcome you. He said, I have beaten death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Where is your victory? He's conquered death. And he says, you don't have to be afraid. He said, even to the point that, that somebody might kill you, you don't have to be afraid because this isn't heaven. We're strangers in a foreign land. There's nothing that can be done to you. He said, don't fear the ones that can kill the body. Fear the one that has control over your soul. And you don't have to be afraid. I think that when we get to heaven, you know, I, what's the worst thing that could happen to us personally? You know, I mean, maybe, maybe we think it's, you know, we see people, Christians getting their heads chopped off and everything. I think when we get to heaven and we finally realize and experience the glory of God, we'll look back and say, my gosh, if I'd have known then what I know now, I'd have just gone every single day and be like, come on, chop the head off. And, and not even by an eye to that point. You do not have to be afraid. 
It's what Jesus said. Some people say that he said it like 365 times in, in various forms. That you don't have to be afraid. It's his most often repeated command. You don't have to be afraid. If Jesus said it, you can believe it because he's the author of truth. He said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Man, would that describe your life as abundantly? I ain't talking about money. I ain't talking about how big your house is or how long your trailer is or how many ponies you got in the back. I'm talking about true abundant life. Does that describe you? And if, it, if you want it to describe you, there's only one. I have come, not Kevin, but Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus also said, everybody kind of knows John 3, 16. They hold it up at sporting events and everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You memorize it in Sunday school and vacation, Bible school. But man, I love John 3, 17. Because Jesus is talking and he starts talking in the third person and he says, for the son of man didn't come into the world to condemn it but to save it through him. Jesus didn't come to point out your faults. He came, you to, say, he came to save you from them. He said, I didn't come here to condemn you. I didn't come down here to browbeat you. I came down here to save you. But you've got to follow him. You've got you to stay close. You've got to listen to him. You've got to put your pony's nose on his pony's tail, and you better be right there and ready. And when you hear him talk, you can take it for truth. Because he's the author of it. He said, you don't have to be afraid. He said, you can have abundant life. It's waiting on you. He said, I ain't here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. Shoot, he even said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to give you a living quartered horse trailer or anything like that. He said that that abundant life meant all you, your purpose on earth is to seek first the kingdom of God. Man, look to God for all of your needs. Man, if you've got some complaining to do, man, shut your mouth around other people and start talking to God about it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Man, make him the priority. Make him first in your life. And you won't be worried about everything else. Now, and, and, and I, can, I can attest to this. Talk to Memo and Renee. Talk to Ty. When you do that... It's kind of like being in the desert for 40 years and, and eating manna. You have enough for today. You may not have enough for tomorrow. Memo and Renee, we sat, we sat at Sherilyn's house last night and listening to them talking, and, and, and he, he, he spoke of that. He said there was times that we didn't have, we had enough for that day, but we did not have anything for the next day. And suddenly a donation would come in. Or Gary would show up to help them build an addition for another six kids that were coming. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. It ain't, it's, it's probably not going to be piled up, but he'll give you enough for what you need today. Jesus said, man, why worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow has its own worries. Just be who you're supposed to be today. You don't have to be afraid. You can have abundant life. He ain't going to condemn you. He, he'll provide everything that you need. Man, that's great, isn't it? We're, we're, we're sitting here thinking, man, that's, I, I kind of want that, man. Like that Jeremiah 6, 16. Ask for the old cowboy ways and do them. Ride down this trail and you'll find rest for your soul. Man, that's a promise from God. That's the truth. You can bank on it. But here's a, here's a pertinent question. 
probably one of the greatest questions ever asked, and it was asked by your Lord and Savior, at least I hope he is, in Luke 6, 46. Listen to this. He says, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? He said, man, this trail right here leads to abundant life. This one leads to destruction. You're going to go down one of them. And we're like, ah, man, that one's narrow and steep and rocky. This one looks real cool. I'm going to go down this one. And he's like, why? Why do you continue to follow your sinful ways? Why do you continue to rely on yourself? Why are you not dropping down on your knees and praying to me? How come you're all up in arms all the time complaining and yapping and, and blah, blah, blah? Man, trust. You trust in God. Trust in me also. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. See, nothing else will satisfy you. you. You want that promise of God, ride down this trail and you will find rest for your souls. You want to claim that promise as your own. Man, God is sitting there. He's holding it out in his hand. And he's like, take it. I'm not going to force feed you. He, you know, he's not going to be like an old bottle calf where he puts us between his legs and forces our mouth open and sticks it down our throat. He ain't going to do it. He's going to say, man, you can take it or leave it. Here's everything you ever wanted right here. And it, and it ain't stuff. It's eternal stuff. Here's everything that you ever wanted, everything that will fulfill you and satisfy you and bring you purpose. Here it is right here. It's me. I am the life. When we were in Northern California at the branding, after the first day we were sitting on this covered, this porch that went all the way around one of those old like square houses that had the, the big porch. Just absolutely loved it. Put it in my duffel bag and brought it home if I could. We're sitting out on the porch, and, and, and man, I, I, I just, I wish that every single one of you could experience what it's like to brand 200 calves and then go eat some tri-tip steak and sit on the porch with your boots off with a bunch of smelly, dirty cowboys telling stories. It's the greatest thing ever. And Steve, the rancher, told me this story. He said, uh, about seven or eight years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, he was, uh, had come down from Oregon where he lives. He had a new pasture leased, and they'd turned some cows out, out there, and they needed to go check on them and do some sorting. And he called his father-in-law, who lived close by, and he said, hey, will you help me do some sorting and stuff? He's like, yeah, I'll bring the horses. And Steve just drove his truck down there. He had a saddle, and, and, and his father-in-law's two horses. Now, his father-in-law's two horses, one was a great, I mean, just... I mean, top-notch, one of those kind of once-in-a-lifetime horses. And the other one was the complete opposite of that. And uh, whenever they got to the pasture, Steve gets uh, his saddle out, and he throws it on the dink. And his father-in-law said, no, 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 put your saddle on my good horse. He goes, no, I'm not riding your good horse. He goes, yes, you are. He goes, no, you need to ride your horse. He goes, no, listen. You've got to be doing the sort, and you know what you're looking for and everything like that. You can't do it on that, and I'm not going to have you yelling at me about what I'm doing wrong. So you put your saddle on the good horse. So he's like, all right. So he puts his saddle on the good horse. His father-in-law puts his saddle on the dink, and they get cinched up, and here they go. And he said, I'll never forget, man. We're riding out across this pasture, and I mean, it's chest-high grass to the horse. And he said it was, just, it was like an ocean, just flowing in the breeze. If there was ever God's country in the world, here it was. 
And he said, I remember just having like this sense of, of nearly euphoria as I trotted through this pasture. Life could not get better. I'm on a good horse. I've got, I'm blessed to have cattle and chest tied to a horse grass and my father-in-law beside me with just these waves, the wind gently blowing these, this grass through the, the wind through the grass. And he said, all of a sudden, that good horse come to a dead stop. Just, just start running backwards. And he looked down like, what in the world? He said, I nearly went over the front. He said, I looked down trying to figure out, you know, what had happened. And I, sorry, I looked down and he said, my left boot is crimson red. And he said, all of a sudden, that horse staggered and fell over. And he said, I stepped off at the last moment and this horse hits the ground. And he said, I'll never forget that horse looked up at me and died. He said, I, I was horror struck. He said, I didn't know what had happened. And he said, I looked over at my father-in-law who was sitting here with his once-in-a-lifetime horse. And he looks at me. And what he said to me changed my life and it changed my outlook. And it's something that I've modeled my life after ever since that day. Now, you'll have to come back next week and I'll tell you what he said. Okay? Don't miss the old cowboy ways. Part three. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy, gather the lost, and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.